0: Welcome to the Variant Vendetta podcast, the podcast where two variants talk movies, TV, pop culture, and video games in an attempt to end their vendetta against each other. You can support the show by giving us a five-star review on your podcast platform or by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Variant Vendetta. Today, I am joined by somebody who is just as unfunny as Mia Wallace's Fox Force 5 jokes. Annabelle, wow. say something. that was rude.
1: That was... That was quite rude. Um, I happen to think I'm quite funny. Thank you very much. And other people would agree with me.
0: I disagree with you and all of those people.
1: Okay, cool.
0: Also, did you notice that in the intro, I accidentally switched around the order that I say things in accidentally?
1: <laughs> no, I didn't.
0: <laughs> okay, good. It didn't happen then.
1: Um, anyways,
0: <laughs> today, today, is a special day today is my trust meal like it episode for this month the month of June uh and I went with a classic a beloved classic not by just me but by literally everybody that's ever seen it and that movie is what is it Annabelle
1: it's Pulp Fiction
0: that's right Pulp (laughs) Fiction one of the greatest movies of all time.
1: Um, I don't know if I agree with you on that.
0: <laughs> that's okay. You don't have to. You don't okay. have to. The facts agree with me. Okay. And that's what matters. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we'll go ahead and get started on this because this is going to be quite the mountain to get up. This is going to be a, a Pretty long episode, I'd I'd imagine.
1: It's so, gonna be a bumpy ride.
0: I don't know. This is a pretty smooth sailing movie. Shut up. So, without further ado, let's get into Pope Fiction. Right off the top, though, I will say, you know, I know we did Deadpool last week. Uh, this movie is also rated R, uh, but this has a lot of things that are kind of worse than deadpool believe it oh or not.
1: yeah oh yeah so
0: i will say this is this is rated r for sex and nudity violence and gore profanity alcohol and drug use and intense scenes and i'll have other warnings before i get into those scenes just in case you want to skip those those parts but this is just a warning up top so First thing we see is a black screen with white text, it's our first title card that appears and it is the definition of the word pulp. And it's actually two definitions. The first one says a soft moist shapeless mass of matter. The second definition is a magazine or book containing um lurid is that a word? Lurid? That I that I've never used. L U R I D or am I just stupid?
1: I think you said it right, lurid.
0: Subject matter and being characteristically printed on rough, unfinished paper. I know that the first definition has one of your favorite words in it. What? A soft, moist, shapeless, mass of matter.
1: Uh, Moist doesn't really bother me that much.
0: Was it not you that I'm thinking of? I don't think so.
1: I'm not one of those girls.
0: OK, <laughs> so, OK, after that little title card, the movie opens with Pumpkin, who's played by Tim Roth and Honey Bunny, played by Amanda Plummer, sitting at a diner talking about the ease of robbing banks and the risk of robbing liquor stores uh, before they decided to rob places like diners. Pumpkin shouts, Garcon, coffee. The waitress walks up and says. Garcon means boy, pours the coffee and then walks away. I thought that was pretty funny.
1: That was funny.
0: (laughs) Pumpkin likes Honey Bunny's previous idea um, back when they were robbing a liquor store, I think, where they would take the customer's wallets. So then the two decide to rob the diner that they're currently in. Pumpkin says um, he'll take the employees while Honey Bunny is on crowd control. They pull out their pistols, they kiss, they jump up and initiate the robbery. Um, Pumpkin says, everybody be cool. This is a robbery. And Honey Bunny says, if any of you fucking pricks move, I'll execute every motherfucking last one of you. I say that now because that will come back up later in a weird way. So just keep that in mind. Uh, Immediately after this, the song Miserloo starts playing uh, and we begin rolling through the opening credits. And we get the iconic A Film by Quentin Tarantino title card, along with all the other uh, credits. And then we hear radio static and like radio station switching. And then the song Jungle Boogie comes on as the credits continue. We then reopen with our main characters, Jules and Vincent, riding in a car, talking about Vincent's trip to Amsterdam. Vincent then asks Jules, you know what they call a quarter pounder and cheese or with cheese in Paris? What do they call it, Annabelle? A royale with cheese. <laughs> do you know why they call it that? Because
1: America's fucking stupid and we're the only the metric system.
0: <laughs> that is right. Yeah. <laughs> Get the big brains on, Annabelle. They continue to talk for a moment before it cuts to them opening the trunk of the car that they're in, talking about there being five guys and how they should have been given shotguns for this kind of deal. As they walk into this building, they start talking about Mia Wallace. Jules tells Vincent that Mia used to be an actress in a pilot episode of a show that became nothing. But Vincent tells Jules that he doesn't have a TV, so he never would have seen it. Uh, as they enter the building, Jules asks Vincent if he remembers a guy called Tony Rocky Horror and says that Marcellus Wallace fucked him up good on account of Marcellus's wife Mia. Tony gave Mia a foot massage, and Marcellus sent some guys over to his house, and those guys threw him off a balcony into a glass house. This sparks the conversation between Jules and Vincent on whether or not Tony deserved that for giving Mia a foot massage as they continue making their way to the room that the deal is going down in. Jules thinks that Marcellus overreacted, and Vincent thinks that he didn't. What do you think about that?
1: Um, okay, so I definitely agree with Jules as in it was quite a bit of an overreaction I don't think he deserved to be thrown off a balcony for a foot massage but Vincent makes a very good point about another man touching another touching the wife's feet like a foot massage that can lead to other things it's a it's it's a little weird
0: so you're Mostly with Jules.
1: Yes, it was an overreaction. Yes.
0: Okay. I, I think I can agree with that, actually. Um. So then the guys walk up to the door and knock as they wait for someone to open. Vincent tells Jules that Marcellus asked him to take Mia out and give her good company while he travels down to Florida. A young man then opens the door and Jules and Vincent enter the room. There's two young men in the the room, making a total of three. Jules lets the boys keep chilling as Vincent walks to the kitchen. Jules introduces himself and Vincent as associates of their business partner, partner, Marcellus Wallace. Jules points out Brett, one of the young men, and asks what he's having for breakfast. And he's having a burger from Big Kahuna Burger. It's quite the breakfast.
1: I know. Who has burgers for breakfast?
0: Apparently Brett and his friends. Gross. So then Jules takes a bite out of Brett's burger and asks Brett if he knows what they call a quarter pounder with cheese in Paris. Vince tells him a Royale with cheese and Jules asks Brett if he knows why they call it that. Brett responds with the metric system and Jules says, check out the big brains on Brett. You're a smart motherfucker. That's right. The metric system. And then he drinks some of Brett's Sprite. Then Jules asks one of the guys where they got the shit hid. He tells Vincent it's in one of the cupboards, and Vincent pulls out a briefcase and opens it. When he opens it, it illuminates a golden yellow light across Vincent's face, but it doesn't show us what's in the briefcase. Brett starts apologizing for how things went with Marcellus. And Jules shoots one of Brett's friends. He asks Brett what Marcellus looks like. And Brett says, what? And Jules says, what country are you from? Brett says, what? Jules says, what ain't no country I ever heard of. They speak English and what? And then Brett again says, what? And Jules says, English, motherfucker, do you speak it? And Brett says, yes. And then Jules says, describe what Marcellus Wallace looks like. And Brett says, what again? And then Jules says, say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say, say what one more time. And then Brett finally starts describing the way Marcellus looks like. And Jules asks, does he look like a bitch? And Brett says, what? Jules then shoots Brett in the shoulder and re asks the question. Brett says no. And Jules asks them, basically, why did you try to fuck him over? Tell me that was not a fucking hilarious scene
1: i will give i will give you that it was funny um i think jules and vincent are the only thing i like about this movie
0: okay i was gonna ask you at the end of the whole story which one of the main like three storylines you liked best i'm assuming it's probably the vincent and jules one yes yeah yeah i definitely agree with that um Jules then asks if Brett reads the Bible, and Brett says yes. And Jules tells him uh, that he has this passage memorized, and it's Ezekiel twenty-five seventeen. And he starts quoting it aloud to Brett. Fun fact, though, this passage is in fact not what Ezekiel twenty-five seventeen actually says. It was rewritten really? by Tarantino. Yep, it was rewritten by Tarantino, the director, um, just to sound more menacing. And um, wow, the passage says, or at least the passage that Jules recites says the path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the antiquities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Blessed is he who in the name of charity and goodwill shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness, for he is truly his brother's keeper and the finder of lost children. And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger, those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers. And you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee. And then Jules and Vincent start shooting Brett. That's a pretty, pretty freaking cool thing to quote before you kill somebody. I got to give it to Jules
1: it is it's very badass and i think samuel jackson was a perfect pick
0: for it oh yeah they i think um i was reading on imdb like just some of the facts about the movie and i think they actually wrote the character of jules specifically for samuel l jackson
1: that seems pretty perfect actually yeah Yeah. (laughs) because yeah he does a great job with it
0: oh yeah This is one of his most iconic roles, I'd say. So as they're shooting Brett, it kind of fades out. And then we jump into the next scene, which has a title card that says Vincent Vega and Marcellus Wallace's wife as the song Let's Stay Together plays. The scene opens with uh, Butch, who's played by Bruce Willis, sitting in a bar talking to Marcellus himself. The basic idea of their conversation is... Marcellus is paying Butch to throw a boxing match and lose purposefully in order to win a massive bet in which both of the men would be paid a lot of money for it. Jules and Vincent then enter the bar wearing t-shirts and shorts instead of their usual black suit and tie. The men enter and sit down at the bar, order some drinks. Jules and the bartender kind of mock Vincent about the situation with Mia that's going to happen. And then Jules goes to the bathroom And his seat is taken by Butch, who orders a pack of red apple cigarettes. Another fun fact, red apple cigarettes are a common entity across multiple Tarantino movies.
1: Oh, I didn't know that.
0: That kind of sparks the idea that this could possibly be like a little Tarantino cinematic universe where all the movies are connected.
1: Yeah, that's cool. I like that.
0: But... Fun thing is, is that's never, I don't think that's ever actually been confirmed. It's just rumored, and it's kind of a fun rumor. So uh, whenever Butch comes and sits down next to Vincent, Vincent just starts staring him down, and the two have a slight verbal disagreement, but Vincent is called over by Marcellus. We move to the next scene, which has two women talking about their piercings. Vincent asks one of them why... um, he asked one of the women about the piercing and then is called into the other room by this guy, Lance. In the other room, Lance shows Vincent a few bags of heroin and Vincent ends up choosing the third bag, the one that kicks the hardest. After the two men finish their deal, just a little drug-related trigger warning, um, Vincent then asks if he can shoot up at Lance's house. And he says, Mikasa Sukasa. And after that, it starts jumping back and forth between Vincent, you know, setting everything up and then shooting up and then him driving at night. And it turns out he was driving to Mia's house. So when Vincent shows up, uh, he finds a note on the front door that says, hi, Vincent, I'm getting dressed. The doors are open. Come inside and make yourself a drink from Mia. So Vincent walks in and it shows Mia watching Vincent through the security cameras. In the house and then we get hit with the infamous vincent meme where he's just kind of looking around all confused because she's talking to him through the intercom oh yeah i
1: was
0: gonna say did you notice that
1: now i do now that you pointed out that it's a meme now i'm seeing it in my brain
0: yep that's it so then after that little meme moment he makes his way over to the intercom on the wall and mia tells him to make himself a drink and she'll be down in two shakes of a lamb's tail. Vincent goes and makes himself a drink at their little bar while Mia is in her room snorting Coke. And then Mia makes her way over to Vincent, and she says, let's go. We cut to the next scene where Vincent and Mia pull up to a restaurant parking lot. Vincent asks what this place is, and Mia tells him Jack Rabbit slims. And Vincent says, come on, man, let's go get a steak. And Mia says, you can get a steak here, daddy-o. And then she tells him not to be a, a, she doesn't say square, but she says, don't be a, and then she draws out the shape of a square with her fingers and it actually shows a dotted line, but it, it's not a square. It's a rectangle, which yeah, it <laughs> <laughs> doesn't make any sense, but it's funny. It doesn't make any sense why the dotted lines would show up in the first place. And then it doesn't make any sense why it's a rectangle, not a square.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: If. If I had to take a guess, though, I, I think it's just to kind of show the audience that Vincent is less than sober right now. Maybe oh, a hallucination.
1: Probably. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, because he's definitely high off his ass.
0: Yep. Um. Well, actually, I guess they both are.
1: Yeah, true. True. Oh, my God. I didn't even think about that.
0: So then the two of them walk into the restaurant, which has got to be, like, the coolest restaurant I've ever seen. Agree? Disagree?
1: Oh, yeah. I need to go to a diner and sit in one of those classic cars and have dinner right now. And a $5 shake.
0: Yep. I need that. <laughs> it's What's funny basically... to me
1: is that he's so, like... Shocked by the fact that that shake is five dollars. When like watching this now, it's like, wow, that's actually a cheap milkshake.
0: <laughs> yep, yep. So this restaurant, Jack Rabbit Slim's, is a mid nineteen hundreds themed restaurant where the servers are all dressed up like people from that era, including Nixon, Marilyn Monroe, Zorro, Buddy Holly, and Mamie Van Doren. Uh, they make their way to their table which is actually the inside of an old Chrysler car. Their waiter, played by Steve Buscemi. I don't know if... Do you know who that is?
1: No. Uh,
0: famous actor. You probably recognize him if you saw a picture of him, but in this movie, he looks very different. But he was supposed to be in this movie, but due to time constrictions, I guess, he was casted for another one of Tarantino's movies, and they gave him this little cameo in this one. Okay, so their waiter comes up to take their order and he's dressed like Buddy Holly. And as you mentioned before, Mia orders a five dollar shake and Vincent is very confused. He's like, you don't put bourbon in it or nothing. Nope. Just a a milk and ice cream five dollar shake. As Mia is pulling out a cigarette, Vincent is rolling a joint, and Mia asks for one, and Vincent just gives her the one that he was making, and then he rolls another one.
1: Um, I don't think that's a joint. I think that's like he's hand-rolling cigarettes.
0: I don't understand why she would ask for it then, because she already had her own.
1: Well, I don't. I don't know. The whole thing about hand rolled cigarettes and stuff, but I imagine it's better than the ones that you buy. And the ones that you buy have a filter on Filters, it. Yeah. His doesn't have a filter, which is why she kind of like does a cough.
0: Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I could see that too. Cause like the second time I watched it too, looking at what he was putting in it, it did kind of look a little brown, like the yeah. stuff that he's pouring in there. So it could have been, regardless. And that was like a big
1: thing back then to hand roll cigarettes.
0: Was it? I wasn't alive back in the 90s, so I don't know.
1: Well, it wasn't like a big thing, but it was like still around.
0: Okay. Well, I'll (laughs) take your word for it. It makes sense. Anyways, the two yak about mindless get to know you bullshit as they wait for their food. Vincent asks about the pilot that Mia was in. It's called Fox Force 5. And she describes it to him and tells him about the gag where she was supposed to have a joke in every episode of the show, but Mia won't tell Vincent the joke because it's embarrassing and not funny. The waiter then brings Mia her $5 shake and Vincent tries it to see what the big deal was, and he actually ends up liking it. The two then share a uncomfortable silence, which Mia brings to Vincent's attention. She tells him she's going to go to the bathroom to powder her nose. Wink, wink. And then... She also tells them to think of something to say. Again, drug use in the bathroom. She snorts coke off of the I guess the the bathroom counter. And there's like a ton of girls just like doing their makeup and stuff in the mirror. I was like, geez, is it actually that crowded in there?
1: Um, I would imagine so. A pop in place like that. Yeah. Yeah. The the girls' bathroom gets very crowded very quickly.
0: Jeez, you walk into the guy's bathroom, it's a freaking ghost town. (laughs) So she comes back from the bathroom and their food is sitting at the table. And Vincent actually has something to say now. He asks Mia about what happened to Tony Rocky Horror. Mia denies that this happened because Tony gave her a foot massage and tells Vincent that only Tony and Marcellus know for sure why that happened. Do you believe that?
1: I don't know <laughs> her character is very odd to me so I don't I wouldn't the way that she like kind of talks to Vincent that whole night I wouldn't put it past her that something did actually happen between the two of them but like I don't know if she's telling the truth or not
0: <laughs> yep I thought the same thing after watching her and Vincent interact like I wouldn't be surprised if it did actually happen. Yeah. So then Richard Nixon and Marilyn Monroe, um, just people who work at the restaurant dressed up as those characters, not the actual ones, of course, get up on stage and announce that they'll be hosting a dance contest for the diners. And Mia immediately volunteers her and Vincent for it. They go up on stage and introduce themselves and the music starts playing and they start dancing until the scene fades out. What'd you think about their dancing?
1: Um, so they were doing the twist, which is actually one of my favorite things from back then. Um, but I hated the scene. Uh, it was boring. Like, I don't. What was the point of that? What? What was the them, point of them, fucking them dancing? dancing
0: was boring?
1: It was boring.
0: You love musicals and shit. How is that boring?
1: It was boring because they were like not putting any oomph into it whatsoever.
0: Okay, but they still won.
1: They were being very lazy with their dancing.
0: Still won. I think it was just to kind of show their relationship building.
1: Maybe. I don't know. This movie is it's very weird to me. It made me very uncomfortable. Um, and I was very confused the whole time.
0: Really? (laughs)
1: Yes. Yes. Okay.
0: All right. Well. Hopefully we can clear some things up as we go.
1: That's what I'm hoping. Cause you love this movie so much. And I was like, everybody loves this movie. And I was so looking forward to watching it. Cause I was like, oh, now I'm going to understand everything. Now I'm going to, I'm going to love it just like everybody else. And I was the whole time I was watching it. I was just like, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs>
0: Seriously? I don't understand how you couldn't just immediately love it. It's great
1: i don't i I don't get it. I don't get the point of it,
0: okay, well, we will try to clear that up as we go please um, <laughs> before before we continue though, I will say this next scene major trigger warning because there is some pretty hardcore drug use and an overdose so the scene fades back in with Vincent and Mia entering Mia's house, dancing as they do. Mia is wearing Vincent's coat, and she has a trophy in her hand from the dance contest. Mia tells Vincent that they need drinks and music, as Vincent tells Mia he's going to the bathroom. Mia starts the music with, girl, you'll be a woman soon, as Vincent actually walks into the bathroom. Mia begins dancing around by herself in the living room while Vincent talks himself through maintaining loyalty to Marcellus in the bathroom. So if you hadn't picked up on it already, Vincent kind of has a thing for Mia.
1: Yeah, yeah. And he's like, "Um, okay, we're not going to do this. One drink and then I'm going home.
0: <laughs> You're going to drink your drink, be polite about it, but drink it fast going to go home, you're going to jerk off, and that's going to be it. <laughs> <laughs> Mia continues dancing around, and Vincent is still talking to himself in the bathroom about maintaining his loyalty. Mia rolls a cigarette, and she starts looking for a lighter in Vincent's coat pockets. And she finds one, and as she's smoking the cigarette, she reaches back in the pockets and finds a bag of heroin. and. It's the same bag of heroin that Vincent bought earlier, the one that kicks a lot harder than it should, probably. Yes. Uh, so she pours some of it out on the table and makes a little line, and she snorts it, which causes her to OD.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. First of all, you find a baggie full of powder in a pocket of a jacket that's not yours, the guy is in the bathroom. Just wait for him to come out of the bathroom and ask him what it is. Don't assume it's Coke. Okay. Don't assume. Because that's how you end up in this situation.
0: Yes. Or just don't do those things at all. And you that's won't have to it. worry about That is
1: about true. It. Yeah. Just don't do drugs.
0: Vincent comes out of the bathroom and sees Mia on the floor. He gets her up and into the car. And he's headed to Lance's house, the guy that he bought the drugs from. He calls Lance on his way, and Lance tells him not to come to his house, but Vincent comes in hot through the front yard and hits a column in Lance's house. Lance and Vincent bring Mia inside and put her in the living room floor, and Lance tells his wife to grab an adrenaline shot as he looks for his little black medical book. Vincent finds Mia's heart and draws a little red circle on it so he knows where it's at. He takes the shot, and he plunges it into Mia's heart. He's got to do it pretty hard so it can get through a breastplate and into her heart. And another fun fact for you to create the stabbing motion, they actually did this scene in reverse. So he started with the shot at her chest and he like yanked it up and they played it in reverse to make it look like it was going down into her.
1: That's actually brilliant. Yep. That's really
0: cool. After Vincent does that, Mia jumps back to life and she says literally something to let everybody know that she's all right. We cut to Mia and Vincent on their way home and they are looking very rough. Cut again to the two walking through Mia's front door or walking to Mia's front door. Vincent asks how she wants to handle this situation and he says that he doesn't want Marcellus to know about it which is probably for the best, especially after hearing about Tony Rocky Horror. Yeah. Mia agrees to keep the secret, and they shake on it. And as Vincent is walking away, Mia asks if he wants to hear the Fox Force 5 joke. And he says, sure. And the joke is, three tomatoes are walking down the street. Papa Tomato, Mama Tomato, and Baby Tomato. Baby Tomato starts lagging behind, and Papa Tomato gets really angry. He goes back, and he squishes him, and he says, catch up.
1: (laughs) I actually laughed. I thought it was funny.
0: (laughs) I figured you would. (laughs) Vincent lets out a slight chuckle. He doesn't laugh too hard because he's about to go home and have a heart attack. Um, The two part ways, and as Mia is turned around, Vincent blows Mia a kiss. Again, He has a thing for her. Yes. The next scene opens many years ago with a really racially offensive TV show playing while a child Butch watches. Butch's mom and a special visitor walk up to Butch. Young Butch turns off the TV and one of Butch's dad's POW camp friends, Captain Coons, walks up to the young Butch and says, Hello, little man. Boy, I sure heard a a bunch about you. See, I was a good friend of your dad's. We were in that Hanoi pit of hell together over five years. He continues to explain how the two men took on the responsibilities of each other. Captain Coons actually has a watch that belonged to Young Butch's dad. He starts telling Young Butch that the watch was first purchased by his grandfather during the First World War, and he wore it until the day the war ended. It got passed on to Young Butch's grandfather until he had to pass it on to an airman, before he was killed so that his family could get the watch back and then a couple days later his grandfather was killed but the airman kept his word and delivered the watch to young Butch's grandmother the watch was on young Butch's dad's wrist when he was shot down over Hanoi he was captured and put in a prison camp instead of letting the guards take the watch he hid it in the one place he knew he could hide something where was that place at Annabelle?
1: Uh. It was up the booty.
0: His ass.
1: It was up his ass. I don't know if I can
0: read. I want to try to read it in the Christopher Walken voice. He hid it in the one place he knew he could hide something. His ass. (laughs) Was that close? (laughs) A little bit. I feel like I got kind of British there in the middle. Just a little bit. (laughs) Anyways. Just a wee bit. (laughs) Uh, For five years, he kept that watch up his ass until he died of dysentery. He then gave the watch to Captain Coons, and he put it up his ass for another two years until he was sent home. And now he's giving the watch to young Butch. As young Butch grabs the watch, we hear the bell ding, and it cuts to the next scene. You had to have thought this scene was fucking hilarious.
1: (laughs) He was telling the story, and I was like, oh, that's so sweet. This watch has been through so many battles and it's been passed down passed down and then he went and said it's been up a lot of people's asses (laughs) and that's where they lost me
0: (laughs) it was funny though i mean it was funny
1: it was funny it's i think that's the problem i'm having with this movie is i'm having a hard time picking apart the funny parts and the really serious it's like it all flows together and i can't differentiate the two
0: well i mean this was supposed to be kind of serious but at the same time like they i mean you know they had to get the watch back somehow they they yeah. added a little comedy in there with it yeah so after young butch grabs the the watch and we hear the building uh it cuts to an older butch who is lying on a table Wearing boxing attire, he jumps up in a sweat and a man enters the room and says, it's time, Butch. Butch pumps himself up, hops off the table and exits the room. In the background, we hear people cheering and an announcer announcing Butch's opponent. This is followed by another title card that says the gold watch. We then hear the announcers talking about Butch's opponent being dead about how bloody the fight was, and about the impact it will have on the boxing community, and so on. A woman in a taxi is sitting in an alley listening to the fight's broadcast on the radio. Butch hops up out of a window and into a dumpster. Then he gets into the taxi, and they drive away. Vincent and the bartender from earlier begin walking down a hallway until they enter a room where Marcellus is. Marcellus asks uh, what Butch's trainer has to say about this and the bartender says nothing and I believe him but Marcellus wants to take the trainer over to the kennel and sick the dogs on his ass until they tell him basically what Marcellus wants to know. Marcellus also says that he's prepared to scour the ends of the earth for Butch. Anything on that?
1: No I just I don't understand the whole point of the Butch storyline. Why, why was it needed?
0: How is it not, though?
1: I, I mean, I guess. I guess I understand. I don't know. I just, I don't like this movie.
0: <laughs> you, okay, so you understand what the situation between Marcellus and Butch was, right?
1: Yes. He's a boxer, and he was supposed to lose that fight, but he doesn't lose the fight. Yes. Yes. Okay.
0: Which causes Marcellus to lose a shit ton of money instead of winning it.
1: Yes. Okay. And he,
0: he wins the fight. Butch wins the fight purposely because he had another bet, which was, I'm assuming, bigger than the one he had with Marcellus for him to win. Okay. So he went behind Marcellus's back, won the fight, made Marcellus lose a bunch of money while Butch gained a bunch of money. Yes. And also Marcellus is the boss of Vincent and Jules. Yes. Okay, so that's how all four of them are connected.
1: Okay, but like, <laughs> I didn't think it was necessary.
0: Even the parts where like they tied the little stories in together?
1: The, the parts where they tied the stories in together was necessary because if that hadn't have happened i would have even more been like what the fuck is this movie i don't understand anything that's going on what is the point of this which i'm still kind of like what is the point of this movie but i don't understand why butch as a character was needed for this movie at all
0: i mean it's it's not just a jules and vincent story it's it's actually three different storylines that are all interconnected yeah you've got you got the vincent and jules storyline you've got the butch storyline and then you've got the um pumpkin and honey bunny storyline and they're they're all three interconnected yeah so how is it not needed they're all three connected like it's (laughs) it it would have been i don't know They would have had to have wrote so much other stuff if it was just a Jules and Vincent movie.
1: I think, okay, I think my problem is I'm not understanding why this movie is a thing.
0: Entertainment. (laughs) That's that's why all movies are, entertainment and money. That's literally why all movies are made.
1: I was not entertained. I'm sorry. I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for this, but I was not entertained at all. I was a little bored at points, actually. I hope you do get hate for this. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> I know I'm going to. I know I am. I wanted, I wanted so bad to like this movie, but I just didn't.
0: I'm disappointed. You, Anyways, we cut back to Butch uh, in the backseat of the taxi, and he's changing from his boxing clothes into normal clothes. The driver asked Butch if he's the one in the fight on the radio, and then she asked what it's like to kill a man. Butch had no idea that he killed his opponent until she just told him, but Butch says that he doesn't feel the least bit bad about it. They pull over to a phone booth where Butch is talking to a friend of his, Scotty, about getting the money. Turns out, like I said earlier, Butch had another bet, uh, better than Marcellus's, to win the fight. Butch just has to wait until tomorrow night to get the money. Him and his girlfriend, Fabian, are going to head to Knoxville in the morning where they'll meet Scotty to collect the money. The taxi driver takes Butch to his motel. He gets out, pays for the ride with actual money instead of a crisp high five like Deadpool. Go go watch that episode if you haven't. Sorry for go the listen to plugged. that episode
1: if you yeah, haven't. Listen to it.
0: <laughs> listen to it and stare it at our logo on your screen while you do it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he tells he tells the taxi driver that he was never in that taxi. And she, you know, comes up with this little story about how he wasn't. And Butch heads inside as the driver drives away. Butch enters his motel room and peeks out the window to make sure he wasn't followed. We see his girlfriend, Fabian, who I'm just going to call Fabi from here on out. And she's laying down in bed. Butch changes and crawls in a bed where they have a conversation about pot bellies. I'm assuming you probably thought that was very weird.
1: Yeah. I, yep. What does she mean by pot belly? Does she mean pregnant? I don't understand.
0: That's what I got.
1: Okay. Cause I don't or like, I've never heard that term pot belly other than like a pot belly pig.
0: I, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I honestly, this is one part that I just, I don't know why they had that conversation. Um, but a few moments later, Butch asks Fabi if she's got uh, everything and she says that she did. Then they talk about the fight and if Butch is still retiring. Then they start having sex until it fades out and then it fades back in to Fabi drying off after a shower while Butch is currently in the shower and Butch mocks Fabi before he starts talking about their plan after they leave. Then they go to bed. Butch wakes up the next morning to the sound of war and explosions, but it turns out it's just a movie that Fabi had playing on the TV. After getting up and getting out of bed, Butch gets dressed, but he can't find his father's watch. So he asks her if she got it, and she's unsure. I mean, she wants to say yes, but she's still just kind of unsure. Uh, he gets mad at her, yells at her, picks up the TV and throws it at the wall. And this isn't a flat screen or anything. This is one of those big box TVs from the 90s.
1: Oh, yeah. Those things,
0: those things are heavy. <laughs> he just yeah, picks they it up are. and throws it. But after he does all that, he apologizes to her and tells her that he's got to go back and get it. He drives to a street uh, pretty much adjacent to the one that his house is on. But he sneakily goes on foot the rest of the way until he reaches his house. Once he gets inside, he finds the watch, throws it on his wrist. and Then he grabs some Pop-Tarts and sticks them in the toaster. After doing this, he sees an Uzi laying on the counter. He picks it up. And as he's doing that, he hears the toilet flush in the bathroom behind him. And out comes Vincent. The two look at each other for a moment. And as soon as the Pop-Tarts pop out of the toaster, Butch shoots Vincent, killing him.
1: I was Sad? upset by that. I was Sad? upset. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, see, this, this is where I have a problem. He kills Vincent, okay? Then okay. we get more, more story, more story. And then all of a sudden, we're back at a fucking diner with Jules and Vincent. I'm what? I understand their different times in the story, but it's just so it's it hurt my head.
0: It's not that hard to understand. I mean, come on, just look at like the clothes that they're wearing at the times.
1: Vince is wearing the same fucking shit besides the last scene, and he's in regular clothes.
0: It it's really not that confusing.
1: Okay, I'm, so, I'm sorry my small brain can't handle this movie. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I didn't, I didn't want to be the one to say it, but I'm glad somebody did. <laughs> um, so Butch sets down the Uzi and then wipes off his prints and heads back to his car. He then triumphantly drives away and eventually comes to a stop at a red light where Marcellus Wallace just so happens to be crossing the street. The two look at each other in disbelief and Marcellus says, motherfucker and then pulls out a pistol to try to kill butch but butch gasses it hitting marcellus with the car which then causes another car to hit butch's car um after a moment of them both being kind of out of it some citizens help marcellus up as uh, as soon as he gets up he pulls out his pistol and starts shooting at butch from across the street uh, but he's missing all the shots because he just got hit by a car butch starts hobbling away while marcellus hobbles after him Butch tries to hide from Marcellus in a pawn shop, but Marcellus is in, uh, he comes in the pawn shop right after him. The two start fighting and right before Butch gets the chance to shoot Marcellus, this racist shop owner pulls out a shotgun and points it at Butch and tells him to toss the weapon. The racist shop owner then knocks Butch out and calls Zed telling him the spider just caught a couple flies before everything fades to black. Uh,
1: okay. I'm going to go ahead and say this now. Huge trigger warning um, for sexual abuse. Huge oh, trigger yeah. warning.
0: I have. Yeah, I have it in parentheses. Major trigger warning.
1: Major. Um, I almost had to stop the movie or fast forward through the scene because mm-hmm. I was getting triggered really hard.
0: It is a very intense scene.
1: Yeah, it was it was rough for me to watch. Um,
0: so I when I wrote my notes on this, I did it in a way that would be much easier to hear, so it's not going to be as intense as it was watching. Okay.
1: I, I appreciate that. And I'm sure a lot of listeners appreciate that as well.
0: Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's, geez, a very weird scene. One of the weirdest scenes in any movie I've ever seen. Um, so like, like we mentioned, major trigger warning before we jump into this, if you want to skip. Uh, The next shot opens up with Marcellus and Butch tied up with ball gags in their mouth in the shop's basement as the racist shop owner sprays them with water to wake them up. The shop owner tells the two, nobody kills anybody in my place of business except me or Zed. Zed rings the shop's doorbell and the owner lets him in. The owner and Zed come back downstairs. Zed is pretty much a racist security officer um i always thought he's a cop but i noticed this time that his badges on his arm say security officer um and he's pretty much the leader of this weird little operation they have going on here in this pawn shop uh zed tells the owner to bring out the gimp uh, the owner goes into the room behind Butch and Marcellus, opens up a crate, and a person wearing a leather bodysuit emerges, not saying a word as he does. Fucking weird-ass shit.
1: I don't understand. What were they gonna use him for?
0: I think this, exact. I think oh. they just make him listen or watch. I, I don't know. No. Um, that character, though, kind of reminds... Have you ever seen um, uh, This Is The End?
1: Um, it sounds familiar. I'm sure I've watched it, but it's been a long time.
0: Where, like, all the celebrities are at, at a house party, at James Franco's house party, and the world starts ending?
1: I think so.
0: Anyways, Channing Tatum in that movie plays a gimp. For, oh, um, I
1: have not seen that. Then. <laughs> he plays... He plays.
0: Uh, they all play all the characters play themselves right and Channing Tatum is a gimp for uh Danny McBride yeah that that just it I don't know it reminded me of this character anyways um the gimp walks over to Zed who grabs him by the leash and makes him sit the shop owner then asks Zed uh which one of them do you want to do first Zed plays eeny, meeny, miny, mo between Butch and Marcellus, ultimately landing on Marcellus. Zed and the shop owner take Marcellus to the back room, tie him down to a table, and close the door, leaving Butch and the Gimp in the other room. Butch immediately begins trying to escape while the Gimp watches him and kind of giggles as he's trying to escape. After a moment, Butch ends up freeing himself. Uh, the Gimp starts screaming, but no one can hear him through his mask. Butch knocks him out and then goes upstairs to leave. He grabs Zed's keys off the counter and right before he exits, he pauses and he looks around for a weapon, ultimately deciding on a katana. No, you love your katanas.
1: I do. I forgot to tell you I have one. Really? I do. It's freaking awesome. I'll have to show it to you one time. I love it. It sits next to my bed. It sits next to my bed because I don't believe in guns.
0: What, in <laughs> case a home intruder comes in, you're just going to freaking yeah, ninjas, ninjas slice them.
1: I'm going to chop Fruit, their fucking head Fruit off. ninja.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, Butch goes back downstairs with a katana, enters the back room where Zed and the shop owner are having unconsensual sex with Marcellus. Butch slashes the shop owner and then stabs him, killing him. And Zed reaches for a gun, but Butch has the sword uh, right at his throat. Marcellus gets up in the background, picks up a shotgun and pumps it, and he tells Butch to step aside. Marcellus shoots Zed in the dick, but it's non-lethal. Deserved it. Yes. Butch asks Marcellus if he's okay. Marcellus says, nah, man, I'm pretty fucking far from okay. Butch asks, what now? And Marcellus tells Zed he's about to get real medieval on his ass. And then he tells Butch they're cool so long as Butch doesn't tell anybody about this and he leaves tonight without coming back. Butch leaves and takes Zed's motorcycle to drive back home or back to the motel where he picks up Fabi. Fabi comes out and asks, where did you get this motorcycle? Butch says, it's not a motorcycle, it's a chopper. Fabi gets on the back of the chopper and asks, whose chopper is this? Butch says, zeds Fabi says who's zed and then butch says zed's dead baby and then the two ride off
1: i thought that was funny the zed's dead baby that was yep. funny um this scene might be why i don't like this movie because it really it stuck with me like yep. for the past couple of days since i've watched it and I've had to like unpack a lot of things in my brain to try to get through it because I am a survivor of sexual abuse for a couple years actually. Um, so um, that's something that I still work through daily. And when you hear the noises in the beginning before you see the scene, and like it's, st- I could feel it starting to happen. And I was like, no, no, no and then i like you see you see it they show all of it i almost i almost had to stop the movie cuz it really it really fucked with me up until this point i was fine with the movie i wasn't like necessarily loving the movie but i wasn't hating it and then this scene i think this scene completely just threw oh. my brain off its yep. axis yeah
0: yeah i Definitely agree the scene could have been written a different way, they could have yeah. done something else with that.
1: I don't think you needed to show it,
0: yeah. Um, so after Fabi and Butch take off on the chopper, we get a, another title card that reads The Bonnie Situation. This scene takes us back in time and opens with jules and vincent back in the room with brett right before they kill him this time it's from another person's point of view it's another guy and this guy is actually hiding in a bathroom with a pistol in his hand and we never saw him in the the scene from earlier so this is just completely new um i did like
1: that i did like that that yeah, you cut back to this part that you've already seen, and you're like, "Oh, there's another person in there."
0: Yep. Um, and this guy is just listening to Jules and Vincent um, while he while they kill Brett. Um, as Jules recites Ezekiel twenty five seventeen to Brett, uh, this new guy looks confused, probably because this isn't actually Ezekiel twenty five seventeen. Did you notice that he he looked kind of like weirdly confused? Yeah. I mean, if you don't know it, you probably think, oh, it's weird that he's reciting a Bible verse. But once you think about it, it's like, no, he's probably looking confused because it's not the right verse.
1: Yeah. Once you know that um, information.
0: Yeah. So Jules and Vincent kill Brett. And as soon as they do, the guy that's hiding bursts out of the bathroom, and he opens fire on Jules and Vincent, missing every single shot he takes. Jules that was and hilarious. Vincent. Yeah?
1: It was funny, yeah. Because then Jules is all like, that was a miracle, man. That was a sign.
0: Divine <laughs> intervention. Jules and Vincent then shoot the guy, killing him, and only leaving one guy left alive in the room, and his name is Marvin. As Vincent asks Marvin why he didn't tell him that there was someone hiding in the bathroom, Jules pauses in shock of what just happened. Jules then tells Vincent that they should be dead and then starts trying to convince him that this was divine intervention. The two start arguing over whether or not it was actually divine intervention or luck before leaving, and they take Marvin with them when they leave. In the car... Vincent talks to Jules and Marvin about a similar situation he saw on a TV show called Cops, which I'm sure everybody's probably familiar with. Um, And I thought this was particularly funny because earlier when Jules tells Vincent about Mia's pilot episode, Vincent says he doesn't own a TV. Oh, did you catch that? I didn't catch that. That's a good catch. Uh, At this point, Jules has become very superstitious and very spiritual and tells Vincent that he's retiring after this. Vincent asks Marvin what he makes of all this. And Marvin tells him that he doesn't have an opinion. Vince turns around, putting his hand, holding his pistol up on uh, the seat. And it just so happens to be pointed directly at Marvin. And he tells him that he has to have an opinion about this. But his sentence is interrupted by Vincent accidentally shooting Marvin in the head, covering the car in blood. Jules starts yelling, and Vincent says, oh, I shot Marvin in the face. And Jules says, why the fuck would you do that? And Vincent tells him it was an accident and that they probably hit a bump in the road, which Jules denies. And then uh, Jules pulls out his phone and calls his friend nearby to see if they can come to his house to get the mess cleaned up. What do you think about that little car scene?
1: That was really funny. Actually. It was, uh, he like turns around and it has the gun in his hand. And I'm, I'm thinking, I'm like, buddy, you're going to shoot the man. <laughs> you're going to fucking shoot him if you're not careful. And then it just goes off and my jaw dropped. And then I started busting out laughing. Cause Vincent was like, it was an accident, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and if you look closely, like it kind of shows like from behind the car, there's no bumps in the road or anything and the car doesn't bounce or anything. It just, Vincent yeah. just accidentally shoots him. Yeah, It's improper trigger control right there. Um, the next shot opens with Jules washing his hands in a sink while telling Vincent that they need to be careful with this friend of his, Jimmy. The two start arguing about how Vincent got blood all over Jimmy's rag before they make their way back into the kitchen. Jimmy made them coffee and Jules says, Damn, Jimmy, this is some serious gourmet shit, which is another pretty iconic meme as well.
1: I haven't seen that one.
0: Well, get more into the meme culture.
1: Okay, then.
0: Now, quick note, Jimmy is actually played by the director, Quentin Tarantino. I don't know. Really? If you that I nope. didn't.
1: I did not know that.
0: That is him. That's cool. Um, so... Jimmy starts going off about how he knows he has good coffee and that they need to fix the situation they're in before his wife gets home, which is in about an hour and a half. Jules calls Marcellus for help, and Marcellus tells Jules that he's going to send the cavalry, a.k.a. the wolf. We cut to the wolf at a party, talking on the phone with Marcellus about the situation. And then the wolf pulls up to Jimmy's house, rings the doorbell and introduces himself as Winston Wolf. And he says, I solve problems. The wolf walks in, talks to the guy about the situation and how to fix it. They take the wolf to the car and he examines it. And then they all go back into the kitchen where the wolf tells Jules and Vincent to put the body in the trunk and clean up the car. Jimmy and the wolf go back inside and get blankets to cover the car's interior And the wolf pays him for the blankets. Jimmy, I mean, uh, Vincent and Jules clean the inside of the car. And Vincent tells Jules that he's a race car that's about to blow. And it's getting real dangerous. And Jules says, oh, you're about to blow? Well, I'm a mushroom cloud laying motherfucker, motherfucker. And then Jules makes Vincent clean the back seat. I thought that little sequence there was pretty funny.
1: It was funny. Jules and Vincent's uh, banter is great. I love it. It's hilarious. The Jules and Vincent are my favorite part of this movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. I wish, I do kind of wish there was more of them yeah. in this movie, even though I think they really are the main characters. So when Jules and Vincent finish, the wolf and Jimmy make Jules and Vincent strip. So they can spray them with a water hose and get them changed into some new clothes, which is actually the shorts and t-shirts that we saw them in earlier at the bar. Did you put that connection together, like from when you saw them earlier in their t-shirt and shorts to when they put them on now? Did you connect those pieces?
1: Yes. Yes, I did. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not all dumb, Matt.
0: You know, with you, I have to make sure. (laughs) (laughs) vincent takes the wolf's car while the wolf and jules take the tainted car to monster joe's dismantler and they have the tainted car destroyed with uh, marvin's dead body in the trunk still the wolf leaves uh monster joe monster joe's with his daughter as not the wolf's daughter monster joe's daughter As Vincent and Jules decide to take a taxi to go get breakfast together. This next scene opens up with the diner where Jules and Vincent are sitting at a table eating breakfast. Vincent asks Jules if he wants some bacon and Jules tells Vincent that he doesn't eat pig because they're filthy animals. And Vincent asks Jules if he'd eat a dog and Jules tells him that he wouldn't eat an animal that has personality which is a pretty good way to look at that, I think. Yeah. Like dogs have personality. Cats have personality. Horses have personality. All the animals that as a society we have chosen not to eat do kind of all have personalities.
1: And I mean, one could argue pigs and cows have personalities as well. And chickens.
0: I eat meat, so I'm not going to I'm not gonna get into this. <laughs>
1: I mean, I eat meat too, but... To I mean, play devil's advocate.
0: <laughs> all they I mean, really, their their whole personality just consists of stand in field, eat grass.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> At least dogs are like, oh, toy, oh, squirrel, oh, snacks and shit. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where I'm going with this. Jules then tells Vincent that he's still thinking about the divine intervention that happened earlier. And Vincent is still saying that it's just luck but uh, Jules is still thinking about retiring after delivering this briefcase to Marcellus. Then he's, after he does that, he's just going to walk the earth and meet people until God puts him where he wants him. Vincent tells him that that's just being a bum. He's right. And then Is it, is he right? I mean, he's, Yeah. I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> like if I, if you just imagine Jules just walking the earth, I feel like he's, got places to say he just kind of nomads it and gets a new place everywhere he goes or he stays somewhere like a hotel or something
1: well i mean if you don't have a job you can't really uh stay at hotels and shit
0: yeah but i mean i think that through this line of work he's collected quite a bit of money
1: yeah i'm sure he's got a nice uh retirement plan but how how far do you think you can go being a bum doing that?
0: I mean, this is back in the 90s, so he could probably go a lot further than he could today.
1: Well, yes, but also like <laughs> it's like the same thing every year. Like, yeah, things were cheap back then, but they didn't make as much back then as well.
0: Okay, yeah, know what fair, I mean? point, fair point, yeah. Inflation and shit. Yeah. Uh, anyways. Uh, after they, after Vincent calls Jules a bum, we hear a man shout, Garcon, coffee. Turns out it's Pumpkin, the guy from the very beginning of the movie. Did you recognize the diner before they showed Pumpkin and Honey Bunny again?
1: I don't think so. No, I thought it so was a completely different thing.
0: At, when Whenever they showed Pumpkin, you put it together and it yeah then i was like
1: oh okay everything's being tied together now i do wish that we had gotten more of pumpkin and honey bunny they were interesting characters to me
0: yeah um i mean how would they have fit that in though
1: i don't know i i just i would have liked to see them do some more robbing
0: i guess they probably could have put in a, a few scenes of them robbing places or something
1: yeah, they could have, like, put in, like, them robbing a place and then going to that diner.
0: Yeah, that, that could have worked. Yeah. So, back to Jules and Vincent, still talking about the miracle from before. Vincent decides that he's going to go to the bathroom. Uh, a few moments after Vincent leaves for the bathroom, Jules sits there, still thinking. And Pumpkin and Honey Bunny jump up and begin robbing the diner. So, like you said, it is all connected, this scene is connected back to the very beginning of the movie fun fact pumpkin says the exact same line that he says in the beginning but honey bunny her line actually is changed she says any of you fucking pricks move and i'll execute every one of you motherfuckers she didn't say that at the beginning of the movie it's two different lines what did she say At the beginning of the movie, she says, she says, if any of you fucking pricks move, I'll execute every motherfucking last one of you. Oh, so just a tiny
1: change. At
0: the end of the movie, she says, any of you fucking pricks move, and I'll execute every one of you motherfuckers.
1: Just a tiny, tiny change. I
0: mean, it is a tiny, tiny change, but I still thought it was pretty, pretty interesting that they didn't say the same or that she didn't say the same lines.
1: Yeah. Continuity error.
0: Yeah. Or maybe they did it as a little joke to see who was really paying attention. Did you catch this line?
1: I didn't because it sounded I exactly. Didn't.
0: I did. Who's of really, course you did. Who is really paying attention.
1: Oh my God. I was <laughs> I still trying to get over the last scene.
0: <laughs> I, I, only co- I only caught this because as she was saying it, I was quoting it in my head and the two lines didn't match up. And I was like, wait a minute, am I stupid? And then I went back to the beginning. I was like, no, they said the wrong thing.
1: I yeah. think you've seen this movie too many times, Matt.
0: I have seen this movie probably in the double digits.
1: Wow. I've seen this movie once, and that's probably as many times as I'm going to watch it.
0: I actually, I, I have a Pulp Fiction shirt somewhere. I was going to wear it tonight, but I couldn't find it.
1: Oh, that's sad, sad.
0: Sad times. So, as planned, Pumpkin takes the employees and the register while Honey Bunny works on crowd control. The manager comes out, and uh, Pumpkin makes him assure everybody that everything will be right so long as they do everything that the robbers say. Uh, Vincent, at this point, is still in the bathroom, not knowing that any of this is going on. And did you catch that Vincent was reading the same book that he was reading in Butch's bathroom before he gets killed? No. Yep. I didn't catch that. reading the same book.
1: Oh, so that, that's his book that he brought. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay.
0: Pumpkin empties the register and grabs a bag, like a trash bag, and then goes around and collects everybody's wallets. Um, Under Jules's table, Jules pulls out his wallet and his pistol. He holds the wallet up in the air while keeping the pistol under the table. Pumpkin walks over to Jules and makes him put the wallet in the bag, which he does. Uh, And then Pumpkin sees the briefcase sitting next to Jules and asks what's in it. But Jules tells him that it's his boss's dirty laundry and he refuses to open it for Pumpkin. After a moment of them going back and forth, Jules finally sets the case on the table, and he opens it for Pumpkin to see. His face illuminates with the same golden yellow light that Vincent's did earlier, but the audience still doesn't get to see what's in it. How disappointed were you in that?
1: I want to know what's in this fucking briefcase. Also, the code to the briefcase is 666. You don't know that. that.
0: I, I have no. noticed that before. He doesn't, he does not specifically put in six, six, six. He actually puts in six, six, and then it stops on five. So it could be no. six, six, five.
1: No, I saw three sixes. I, saw I definitely five. saw three sixes.
0: I saw five. I'll have to go back <laughs> and make sure. I'll go back and make sure. Don't worry.
1: Okay. You do that. You can just insert who was right.
0: I'm pretty, uh, I mean, like. You're probably right. It probably is 666, but it, I'm
1: pretty sure. Cause that's one of the very few notes that I took. That is one of the notes I took that the code is 666. And I thought that was hilarious.
0: I mean, you, you probably are right, but it does. I promise you, it does say 665 when he's, when he's putting it in. Yeah. He probably he's just like, yeah, he probably did it. just flick it one more time. Um, so while pumpkin is looking in the briefcase jules grabs him by the arm pulls him in close and points his pistol at pumpkin's face honey bunny starts freaking out and jules makes pumpkin tell honey bunny to be cool jules counts to three and makes pumpkin drop his gun and sit across from him at his table and jules tells them normally he would have killed them but since they caught him in a transitional period he's not going to kill them and he's uh Not going to give him the briefcase either. Vincent comes out of the bathroom pointing his pistol at Honey Bunny and Jules tells both of them to be cool. Jules tells Pumpkin to get his wallet out of the bag and when Pumpkin asks which one it is, Jules tells him, it's the one that says bad motherfucker. Which, fun fact,
1: You have the wallet? I have this wallet.
0: I have that (laughs) wallet. I have been using this thing for years.
1: It looks really good.
0: Yeah, for how long I've had it.
1: Yeah. Is that like stitched, like the word stitched in, or is it... Uh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, that's yep. cool.
0: So if this thing's going to last, I'm going to use this thing for as long as I can, and then when it falls apart, I'm going to buy another one off of Amazon, because that's also, where I got this one, I'm pretty sure. Also...
1: In- have you watched the show community? Yes. So, you know, the, the pulp fiction episode for Abed's birthday and Jeff gives him a present and it's a wallet. Is it that wallet?
0: Probably. It's I'm been a sure. while since I've seen community. So I don't entirely remember it, but probably.
1: Oh, I watched that shit on repeat. I put that shit on in the background while I'm doing stuff.
0: I I used to do that a couple of years ago, but I haven't. I have probably haven't watched it in over two years. Um, such a great show. Yeah, it is pretty good. And it's got freaking Donald Glover in it.
1: Love him. Love him.
0: I do too. I do too. I love Donald Glover. He's, he's the greatest. He is. I, okay. Small Donald Glover side note. That man is one of the most talented people in the entire world.
1: Yes. Musically,
0: creatively. I mean, he's making TV shows. He's acting. He's fucking making music. Yeah, there's nothing he can't do.
1: For real. I, I am absolutely in love with the man.
0: In um, 2016, they filmed a scene for Atlanta in my hometown. At my, It was actually at my old middle school. And so I watched that scene. And I saw like where he was walking out of the school. And then me and my friend went to the school and we recreated that scene and took pictures of us walking where he walked.
1: <laughs> That's freaking cool. Yeah. It must be really awesome to live in a state that they do a lot of uh, filming. Oh, it is. Yeah.
0: I, I mean, I've seen the the high school from Stranger Things um, that show... What was that shit called Zoltar um, there's freaking movie studios everywhere oh and the walking dead Sonoya Sonoya Georgia the little walking dead town been there yeah. a few times
1: yeah that's really cool um I some we sometimes like Virginia will sometimes get it like because Richmond's very historical so like I know I'm pretty sure um walking dead filmed some things up here like in Richmond and then Alexandria and stuff like that but we don't get much like Georgia does.
0: There's some kind of deal with Georgia and the taxes that they take out of movies. I think and it's it's not a lot so that's why Georgia is such a hot spot for movies.
1: That makes sense and Georgia's actually quite beautiful.
0: Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Certain parts are not. Certain parts, yeah. So back to Pulp Fiction, movie that we're reviewing. We're almost done. I
1: forgot we were doing that.
0: (laughs) We're almost done. I promise. Just hold on. We're on the last scene.
1: Thank God. (sighs)
0: Shut up. (laughs) After Pumpkin hands or or, uh, pulls out Jules' wallet out of the bag, Jules tells him to take the money out before returning the wallet. And then he lets Pumpkin keep the money that was in the wallet. Uh, Jules asks Pumpkin if he reads the Bible. Pumpkin says no. And Jules starts reciting Ezekiel 25, 17 to him. Did you think he was going to kill him right here?
1: Um, no, because of the conversation he had just had with Vincent about turning over a new leaf, starting a new life. I think he was really trying to dissolve the situation and make it not escalate.
0: Right. Yeah. So Jules tells Pumpkin that that passage was just some cold-blooded shit to say to someone before he kills them. But now he kind of sees the passage in a different way due to the miracle that he witnessed earlier. Jules sets his gun down on the table and tells Honey Bunny and Pumpkin to leave. And they do. They just kind of walk out of of the uh, restaurant. Jules and Vincent decide that it's probably a good idea that they leave now, too, uh, before walking out of the diner as Surfrider plays in the background. Before they actually walk out the door, they stop, they stick their pistols in the waistband of their shorts, and then they exit the diner. And then we have the infamous written and directed by quentin tarantino as the first kind of credits name and then the credits roll
1: thank and god that is,
0: that is pulp fiction thank one of the greatest one of the greatest god. movies of all time to you oh, t- to me
1: yeah to you to me yeah okay
0: well somebody cue the clown music because this shit's about to get silly are you ready for this <laughs> <laughs> are oh, you ready god. for this
1: what Ugh.
0: since since only i find this movie good apparently um pulp fiction on imdb is rated at an 8.9 out of 10 lightning thief is rated at a 5.8 out of 10 <laughs> pulp fiction on rotten tomatoes is rated at a 92 percent, 92 for critics 96 for audience. Lightning Thief is rated at a 49. 49%. <laughs> this movie was nominated for 75 awards. You know how many it won?
1: I don't care. <laughs>
0: take, take a guess. Just take a guess.
1: Fucking 75.
0: 70. They're not, it's not a perfect. I don't movie.
1: get it. I don't fucking understand. I don't get it. I really I don't I don't understand why everybody likes this movie so much.
0: It's good. Why do you like (laughs) it so much? It's fucking good. It's got three stories connected into one. How often in movies do you see that happen?
1: Not often. I'll give you not
0: often, right? Look at the cast. Samuel L. Jackson, John Travolta, Uma Thurman, Tim Roth, Quentin Tarantino. He acted and directed this shit was, I'm pretty sure this shit was executive produced by Danny DeVito too. great cast, great director, great acting. The shit was just fantastic.
1: I don't, I don't know. I, I like, okay. I like the complexity of the different storylines, but it was a little bit too much for me. I think I, I, like I said earlier, it's too much for my small, small brain. I can't. I too, can't handle all was it. Was it too long? It was too long. Um, I kind of mm-hmm. got to the point where I was like, when the fuck is this movie gonna be over? I had a lot of points where I was like, what the fuck is happening? What am pawn- I watching? At,
0: at what point did you first think when is this movie gonna be over?
1: Um, probably at the
0: the pawn shop <laughs> scene yeah yeah okay like i said
1: i didn't like butch's storyline i felt like it was completely unnecessary um it didn't i didn't like it uh this movie overall made me very uncomfortable they used the n-word a lot like in multiple times in almost every sentence they said there was an n-word there and that made me very uncomfortable the the drugs didn't really make me that uncomfortable but it was intense it was very intense and of course the pawn shop scene i could have done without ever seeing that in my entire life
0: that is fair i i would give you that on that scene that scene definitely could have been wrote differently um the inward usage in this movie is it's kind of a common thing in several of his movies um which you know he has been kind of called out on it yeah so those those are your only complaints
1: i loved jules and vincent sam jackson and john travolta were the best part of this whole movie if they were the entire movie i probably would have liked it
0: I could see that. I I don't know if I agree on them being the entire movie, but they could have put some more of both of them in the movie and I would have been fine with that.
1: Like if if they completely cut out the Butch storyline and just kept it as Jules, Vincent and Pumpkin and Honey Bunny, that would have been great for me. I would have liked it.
0: Okay, so let me ask you this. Since Vincent was one of the hitmen sent to kill Butch or at least look for him. What would you have thought if they drew that out a little bit more where Vincent was looking for Butch instead of just cutting the whole Butch storyline?
1: It would have made it too long. It would have made it longer and I would have been bored. Uh, Butch as a character in general, I just I wasn't liking it. Okay,
0: that's fair. I mean, yeah. If I was to rank the three stories, I would definitely go Vincent and Jules, um, Butch, and then Honey Bunny and Pumpkin. I'm guessing you'd switch those last two.
1: I would, yes.
0: All right. Well,
1: Honey Bunny seems like a crazy fucking woman. So I would have loved to see more of her being fucking nuts.
0: You know, um, Uma Thurman, the actress that plays Mia Wallace, was actually considered for Honey Bunny. Really? Yeah. I think I like her more as Mia, though.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I I didn't hate Mia the character, but I also didn't love her character as well. She just seemed kind of bland.
0: That's fair. They, they really don't go into her that much other than her and vincent you know the scenes yeah. that they had together
1: yeah her was she was another thing where i was like okay why did you show me this because you don't come up at any other point in this movie why why did i need to see this part
0: good. and you know it's a good question i think there's a lot of stuff that happens in this movie that's just left open-ended purposefully yeah um like the briefcase.
1: I want to know what's in that fucking briefcase.
0: Y- you really want to know what it is? I do. It's intentionally left um for us not to see what's in it, just to kind of leave it to the imagination. But what's yeah. what's actually in there is a little like power bar of some kind that connects to a light bulb that's yellow and whenever they open the briefcase the bulb just turns on and <laughs> that's that's all it is
1: i i could see that because there's a point where the briefcase kind of turns and it's like you have to really be looking but you catch a glimpse of like a piece of like holographic film taped to the top of the briefcase to reflect the light out of it really it's yeah, it's very brief. I, I, know, I know what you're I talking about. It.
0: The scene the yeah. scene in the diner, right? Where yeah. uh, Pumpkin is looking at it.
1: Yeah, and you like very briefly see the inside of the top of the briefcase. And you can kind of see like this film holographic sheet that's like taped to the inside to reflect the light off.
0: I figured it was just like really old leather on the inside and it just kind of had like a slightly reflective surface
1: go back and pause it and look at it you have to really, oh god really catch it
0: again <laughs> i'm gonna have to be going back to so many points just i mean you love this fucking out.
1: movie don't you
0: yeah but i just watched it twice in the last two days
1: oh but it's the greatest fucking movie of all time i didn't say that Yes, you did. I
0: said I said it's a one of the greatest movies of all time. Oh
1: my god.
0: I have a couple of fun facts here if you'd like to hear those. Sure. Um so you know whenever Vincent is in Lance's house buying the drugs? Yes. And he talks to Lance about how somebody keyed his car. Mhm. Quentin Tarantino was quoted as saying it was actually Butch that keyed Vincent's car
1: really why
0: (laughs) i don't know that's all there was to it
1: that's so odd
0: um another fun fact is the word fuck is used 265 times in this movie
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome that's my favorite curse word
0: well i'm surprised you didn't like this movie more because of that then In Captain America, The Winter Soldier, Nick Fury's gravestone says the path of the righteous man, dot, 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 Ezekiel 25, 17.
1: Stop it. No, it doesn't.
0: Yes, it does. Go watch it.
1: Oh, that is cool.
0: Go watch it. Also, another connection. Um, the wallet, Vincent's wallet that says bad motherfucker on it. I know you don't know much about Star Wars, but this will still kind of be a little cool fact. Uh, in Star Wars, Samuel L. Jackson plays the character Mace Windu. On Mace Windu's lightsaber, he has engraved on the hilt, bad motherfucker.
1: <laughs> that is a cool fact. <laughs> I need to watch that, those movies. I need to watch them.
0: I have thought about doing it on here.
1: Uh, that's why I haven't watched them yet, because I figured you were going to make me do it on here.
0: So that's I just why kinda, I haven't
1: watched it yet.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll have to do that sometime. We'll do like a special month where we just, or a month or two where we just watch them all. Do May. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Because my birthday and because May 4th
1: well i was thinking may 4th but yeah your birthday
0: (laughs) yeah my birthday too let's not forget about that um next fun (laughs) fact vincent okay before i say this you know how the movie is like you know how there's title cards every so often in the movie that say like what this next segment's gonna be about yeah vincent is the only character who appears in every single one of those segments
1: why is that do you know
0: don't know he just is
1: that's so odd
0: so one you could feel
1: like he would be like a, the main point of the movie Then one could say that Halo. he
0: is the main character
1: uh, it's just so weird i don't i don't understand the point of this movie i don't i don't get it and i don't think there is a point and that bothers me
0: well, if you see it as there was no point or you don't understand the point of this movie, think about it realistically, entertainment and money.
1: Okay, yeah, but I don't understand cuz it's I'm not entertained, I'm sorry.
0: Well, you may not have been entertained, but
1: a lot 92, of people
0: were 92% of Google users were
1: and I, I want to know why. I want to be in the same boat, but I'm just not. And I'm sorry.
0: Maybe, maybe give the movie another go and skip the pawn shop scene and see if that changes anything.
1: Maybe I will try to watch it again. I normally try to watch whatever we review twice, um, but this week has been fucking bonanzas. So I've only had time to do it once. So, yeah, I I will probably watch it again and then maybe make a Twitter post of my new thoughts.
0: Okay, that's fair. Um, Last fun fact I have here. And since you love this movie so much, this one's probably going to be your favorite one. This movie was selected for preservation in the Library of Congress national film registry
1: stop why (laughs) oh my god what Uh, why is this such a big thing i don't get it
0: hey sometimes you just gotta be in the know to know you know
1: oh i don't understand and I I don't like that I don't understand. Do you see my confliction here? Like- Do you
0: ever watch like um breakdown or explanation videos on YouTube of movies after you watch them?
1: I'll um only for like Marvel stuff.
0: Try it with this. See if anything that the YouTube video explanations have can make that better for you.
1: Okay, I will watch the movie again and watch an explanation video and get back to you.
0: And skip the pawn shop scene. Yes. Because there was, was truly no fucking point of that shit. Um, yeah. That, that is all I have on um, one of the greatest movies of all time.
1: Thank God. Thank God it's over.
0: Well, it's all right. That's what I was thinking when we were doing The Lightning Thief.
1: Okay, I will admit...
0: Burn! I will
1: will admit, The Lightning Thief, it didn't do well. It wasn't a fantastic movie, but it wasn't fucking terrible. But I don't think it deserved the Rotten Tomatoes that it got.
0: From... Okay. I wouldn't say it's bad. I wouldn't say it's terrible. I would say what... Uh, our friends Catherine and Brennan say, or Brennan say, it was mid. <laughs> I mean, if you look at it, and by the way, sorry, I have a friend whose name is Brennan. That's why I said. That's why. Do I you want to
1: explain to the people that don't know what mid means? I'm about to. Oh, okay.
0: Also, sorry. shout out to the mid podcast. Um, so on IMDb. Lightning Thief was rated 5.8 out of 10. On Rotten Tomatoes, they have a 49%. Uh, on Metacritic, they have a 47%. All those numbers are middle of the road. They're not high up there like Pulp Fiction. They're not low down there like what I, I guess I would assume Morbius's ratings are probably down there at the bottom. At least I hope so.
1: Probably. I still haven't watched the movie and I don't care to watch it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I haven't either. But they're just, Lightning Thief was just middle of the road.
1: I will agree with that. It's like, not great, but not terrible.
0: I wouldn't even say that. I would say not good, not bad. Shit was okay. It was okay. It was okay. okay. Come on. Don't look (laughs) at me like that. It was okay.
1: and, And I think Pulp Fiction was okay. (laughs)
0: <laughs> do
1: yeah I- the vein <laughs> in matt's forehead literally just like popped
0: <laughs> that was me contemplating the idea of reading off all the ratings and reviews between the two movies again
1: no we don't need to know we all know pulp fiction rated higher we all know that
0: one might even say it's the superior movie right between the two
1: yeah If you want to go by ratings.
0: I'll take it. I win. (laughs) I win.
1: (laughs) If that's what you want to go by, then sure. But in my opinion, I'd rather watch Percy Jackson than watch this again.
0: Well, get ready, because next month we'll be watching Pulp Fiction 2.
1: There's a second one?
0: Yep. And we're watching it.
1: No, there's not.
0: Yes, there is.
1: Oh, fuck me. No.
0: Get ready for it.
1: But but aren't we doing like She-Hulk all month next month? Like,
0: No, it's not July months. yet. I, no, it's not. Oh. <laughs> it's June, you nut.
1: I don't even know what fucking month it is. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. No, we have so July Pulp all 2 next out. Week.
0: I mean, not next week, next month.
1: We have. July I'll just I'll just
0: swap out. swap out my trust me you'll like it.
1: Fuck. Okay.
0: Pulp Fiction Two.
1: There's like there's no parts that I'm gonna need to fast forward right.
0: No, because the movie actually doesn't exist.
1: Thank God. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Yay. I
0: unfortunately I
1: thought there wasn't a second one.
0: No, there's not some some would say that some of the best movies are standalone
1: some are yeah
0: i'd agree with that
1: yeah
0: like pulp fiction for example
1: sure <laughs> whatever okay. you say i've learned that once you get to a point with matt you just have to start agreeing with him
0: <laughs> just yes just nod your head that's all there is to it
1: smile, I'll and, stop. Wave, boys. I'll stop smile and wave <laughs>
0: Well, that is all I have on Pulp Fiction. Um, I'm sure you probably don't have much more to say on it, but I'm going to go ahead and ask anyways. Final thoughts, comments, anything?
1: Um, I'm sorry I didn't like this movie, Matt. I I really wanted to like it. I did. You don't
0: have to apologize to me. It's it's you know opinions, and yeah. while your opinion might be wrong, it's still your opinion. <laughs>
1: I do want to say that I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure it's next week that the episode will be airing, but y'all should go check out our friend smash trivia. John, um, his podcast, we will be appearing on an episode reviewing the 2002 Scooby-Doo movie.
0: And you can find him on your podcast platforms. Um by Smash Trivia gamma gamma analysis smash trivia i already said that um yeah but we'll we'll probably also you know drop the link to that on on our twitter so
1: yeah once it's um released
0: yeah so is that everything you had you're a bitch dude why'd you make that nasty face before you said that
1: <laughs> i was thinking <laughs>
0: thought very hard for only you bitch (laughs) anyways that will conclude this episode um, of me and annabelle's favorite movie of all time you can support me of all time support the show by giving us a follow on twitter instagram at variant vendetta or by leaving a five-star review on your podcast platform either way we are very thankful for your support yeah Okay. Thank you for listening. Bye. We'll see you next week.
1: Bye.